This is the Alternative Edge, home of KBVU Podcasts. You're listening to the Entertainment Hour with Tanner Frost, Mason Wicket, and Diego Huerta on KBVU's Alternative Edge. Start your timers and get ready because here we go. Wow, what an intro. Hey, we're back. Obviously, this is Tanner Frost, KBVU Sports Director, here on the Alternative Edge. I'm with, of course, the fellows who will introduce themselves if they'd be so inclined to. Hi, I'm Mason Wicket. Hello, I'm Diego Huerta. And what do you do? Talk about entertainment stuff, of course. Well, aside from the obvious, as the people will soon find out. Well, what do you mean? Well, I play football. I play football. Uh, I'm a avid coffee drinker, and uh, I really love movies. Ah, I uh, slayer of women and wooer of evil. Drinker of Mike's Wait, hard. I think that's backwards. Yeah, but you could probably tell. How far in are you right now? I'm six bottles in right now. <laughs> nice, good deal. It always makes it better. I have. Anyways, just welcome back. Anyways, welcome back to the Entertainment Hour here on the Alternative Edge. Are we going to call this episode two? Are we going to call this the HD remake and Knuckles? What are we calling this? Because it, we're kind of rebooting the show. Uh, is this going to be a miniseries? What is this? Return of the King. <laughs> sure. Okay. The thir- that's the third installment. We're just, yes, we are just the third Lord of the Rings movie. That's what we are. Yeah. We're so good, we just went from one to three. Yeah, we right. skipped two. We skipped tw- Except that's the thing is Two Towers is usually considered the best one. As so we, if we're pa- we didn't even like we're not past our prime. We just overtly skipped it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we got this All brand right, new so setup. For those- yeah, exactly. All right, so for those first-time listeners or whatever you might might be, of course, this is the Entertainment Hour. Tanner Frost, Diego Huerta, Mason Wicket, three football players nerding out as. We are so inclined to do by ourselves. Now we get to talk about it in a controlled setting. Yay for us. Not so much for you. And we're going to talk about just about everything. Games, books, who reads though? TV shows, movies, songs, whatever it may be. We've got you covered. We're the media experts here for KBVU. And we're going to get right into it. So how the show is going to work, we're going to have different segments. We're cutting it down to six, of course. This is a soft reboot of the show. Return of the Kings. The Three Kings, that is. And first off, we're going to start out with a segment before we get into the big show later. We have a usual game of the week. So the game of the week this week is going to be picked by Diego. So, Diego, you want to go ahead, and this is going to be all you. So take the first segment, uh, and welcome back to the Entertainment Hour. Uh, well, for the game of the week, uh, as most game fans know, Doom Eternal just came out, the long-awaited sequel to Doom 2016. Um, nothing but positive re- reviews so far. Um it throws back to the classic style of Doom from the 90s in this updated setting and introduces a heavy metal choir, the first video game to do so. Was there not a choir in Doom 2016, though? Uh, they had an orchestra, but they didn't have vocalists, I believe. Um, so in this one, during the two main songs, Rip and Tear and BFG Division, they you can actually hear... People in the background vocalizing. I believe they use Nordic as inspiration. Mm. Um, but okay, so this is going to be mainly you because Wick. I don't think you haven't played it either yet, have you? 
Uh, I I have never played Doom personally. I know of Doom. I've seen a Same. lot of Doom yeah. gameplay. I know it's extremely bombastic with like heavy metal guitar riffs and fast right. moving like the what's it called the glory kill system where you're just yep up close and personal and it just makes it feel super awesome mm-hmm. ripping aliens apart or I guess uh, demons apart. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I know it just makes you feel like the ultimate BA. So. Yeah, I haven't played Doom Eternal yet, so this is going to be mostly Diego talking about his first impressions of it. I have played a decent amount of Doom 2016. I need to... It's been one of the forefront in my backlog for a while. But the the best way to describe Doom, at least the new... I mean, the old Doom's kind of the same way, but the new Dooms is a lot of FPSs and traditional ones like Wolfenstein and Halo. They're usually called Power Fantasy FPSs, where you're the ultimate BA... And Doom do- takes that concept and just cranks it up to 13 out of 10. Right. And it's just absolutely crazy. It's gory. It's made for the adult audience, of course, as we know. And it's getting great reviews. Doom Eternal sitting at an 89, 90, 91 on the three systems, PC, PS4, and Xbox that it's released on. And clearly it's living up to the hype of both it and Animal Crossing releasing uh, on March 19th, so <laughs> last Friday. So there were a weekend, Diego. Give us your week-long impressions of Doom, Doom Eternal and what you what have you liked so far. Uh, well, I'll try to avoid spoilers since it's only a week-old game. Um, I mean, you're not too far. Well, no, you said you beat it, haven't you? I have, yeah, but I spent uh, one whole night basically playing it. Um, but from first impressions, uh, I really liked it because not only do you have everything you loved about Doom 2016... They've made it, they've polished it up so enemies look better. The game runs a lot smoother. The environments are a lot more entertaining. Um, they introduce a platforming aspect into the game, which Doom really? twenty sixteen had hints of, but they really go full bore into this game. Uh, that's the biggest area of controversy because a lot of fans really like it. A lot of fans uh, don't. I personally thought it was a cool uh, new mechanic. Um, I like how all the villains are kind of redesigned to look more like the 90s game. Like, in Doom 2016, the uh, Cockademon was very new, and they gave it a lot of different features. But in the new one, they focused on making it an updated version of classic Doom. Right. Uh, also, one of my favorite parts of this is it's definitely a focused on, you know, FPS, first-person shooter. It's an action game. But they definitely went a lot harder with the story in this game. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, cool. I can tell from the trailers. Yeah, yeah. yeah Doom sure. 2016 kind of gave you hints. And the main thing about the Doom series is the Doom guy, or he's referred to as the Doom Slayer in the new games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, um, no one really knows a lot about him. They have a very basic backstory, and then they kind of just throw you in. But this one really sets up the lore of this character who's been eternally fighting demons for millions hey, of you know. Now is it the same guy uh like he's got Doom a Slayer name for the new guys is it the name is it the same Doom Slayer from the original um, games? There there's various theories. It's some see it as a softcore reboot from the original. Um gotcha. some see it as the same. Uh very very spoiler heavy. I can't really say too much, but they definitely answer yeah. a lot of questions of the past of this Doom guy. 
Wow, so they actually really go into Flynn Taggart is his official brand Flynn name. Taggart was his, his name backstory. in the yeah. graphic or in the novels, which are considered their own canon by most fans. Mm. Oh, okay. So they never say that name until the books, but in the original game, he's just called a Marine Corporal and then the Doom guy. Right. Mm. Now here, Diego, there's a lot of comparisons between Doom's Doom Slayer and Halo's Master Chief. Say they have to go head-to-head in a fight. Who's your money on to win? If before Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal, I would have said Master Chief. But especially in this new game, Doom Slayer easily. Not only does he have superior weaponry, um, his feats of durability, as well as the enemies he takes down, seems like he's a very superior fighter and or weapons user. Interesting. That's a heavily so debated Diego, topic, gonna... though. If you watch Screw Attacks yeah. on Death Battle, that's that's gonna that's an age old topic. Diego, I want to track back to something you said. You talked about increased platforming in the game and how it's a bigger focus. And from what I played in 2016, which is probably a cumulative price six hours or so, so I've got a decent grasp of the game and I enjoyed it. I just need to you know power through it and play it, and I, it's fun. But I mean, platforming was a thing, so I think the thing. And Doom, is, it's funny about Doom because the evolution of Doom, and this year is the 27th anniversary of it. Doom 1 came out in 1993 um, for the MS-DOS, which, you know, ancient PC hardware. But it's got, it, it's the, it was the traditional FPS, but also the evolution of FPS is because it, it and Half-Life really revolutionized the genre and ushered in, like, the new era of video games, especially mature ones based on um, Doom and how popular it was. But... The thing about Doom now is that traditional FPSs and a problem I have with them, and I, like Call of Duty, and I know I'm, I'm going to say Battlefield, even though they have they're lauded for their campaigns, which are generally very bad. But and and to some extent, Wolfenstein 2, um, tr- traditional FPSs are usually point and shoot while hiding behind cover, and that's the the idea is. As much as you can mix up the gameplay, the better the FPS is. But the thing about Doom is the freedom of freedom of movement and everything else related to the FPS takes it away from just point and click. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, and that's why it's so well received because if you don't, if you try to play like that, you're gonna get demolished because the game is pretty unforgiving too, because right. it, it throws enemies at you of all different shapes and varieties and you have to tackle them at certain times while also using things like your chainsaw which gets you more armor or ammo or something while also doing glory glory kills which do the same thing so it's like you're playing a constant game within the game of managing your systems and your health and your resources while also just running as fast as you can i always appreciate i i saw something where it's like based on someone did the math a long time ago and it's an old thing we're like based on how fast the original doom guy runs based on the uh the environment around him he hits a max speed of like 25 miles an hour oh my god are you be- serious? yeah it's crazy just because in the original doom you are very fast and that's and that's what it's evolved in from doom 2016 and now doom eternal so yeah i, th- I think that's the thing and i would really i'm really going to look to pick up doom eternal after i try to finish 2016 obviously covid19 is giving us extended time to yeah to play video games and look into other forms of uh, entertainment. But, yeah, I'm definitely going to pick up Doom Eternal when it gets to the a lower price point because I, on the flip side, purchased the other big release of last Friday in Animal Crossing, and I've ha- been having fun with that on the opposite side of the spectrum. <laughs> I was just going to say it's pretty... Power, um, power Fantasy versus Capitalism Simulator in Animal Crossing, but they're both 
it's a very fun game as well. So. Oh yes, I highly recommend Doom Eternal for anyone who's a fan of FPS or just action-packed games with uh, interesting lore. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Diego, you're still on the plate, so next segment, it's going to be your retro rewind. So what we'll do every week, at least someone, sometimes all three of us, we're going to have a nostalgia fillers, something that just takes us back, whether you see it, hear it, play it, feel it. It's going to be something retro in, based on our terms. We're 21-year-olds, so maybe your term of retro and Mario Bros. isn't the exact same definition as ours, but a little bit of a rewind back to the good times, especially considering our circumstances right now. But Dega's up in the ball first. It's going to be the PlayStation 2, the highest-selling video game console of all time. Dega, what do you love about the PlayStation 2? Uh, well, what do you, what, What's 2, not to love about the PlayStation 2? Very true. Uh, PlayStation 2 was one of my earlier consoles as I was growing up. And, uh, I mean, basically all the games I played on that. Uh, Sonic Heroes is one of my personal nostalgic favorites, if any of you is have played that. Is that on PlayStation that. 2? Sonic Heroes is PlayStation 2. Um, really? Oh, yeah. I always played on GameCube. Excellent uh, game, though. Oh, yeah. Or at least, I'm sure it's on GameCube, but that's just the venue I played it through. Um, I just didn't know. I, just, and I, I remember being a kid and playing games, and the PlayStation 2 engine was a lot better than some previous consoles. And in my mind, I was like, this is as good as video games will ever get. This is going to be the best-looking console, and nothing's going to be better than that. And, of course, with our newer ones, uh, I would be... I mean, obviously, games have improved, but I think, pound for pound, the sheer amount of games, as well as the sheer, like, fun and playability of the PlayStation 2, like, even now, I'll hook it up, and I'll still play my old Godzilla Unleashed video game on it. Um, uh, I just, I just find, pound for pound, it's one of the total packages of consoles mm-hmm. so Definitely. within the first year the playstation 2 shipped 15 million units and get this by 2013 and as we know now the ps2 is officially and still holds the record of the greatest the highest selling video game console of all time it's at 158 million units shipped how about this from march 2012 to january 2013 there was another 2 million units shipped who was buying a playstation 2 in 2013 I just I think that's funny to point out. But, but anyways, I absolutely agree with you. The PlayStation 2 is probably pound for pound the greatest console ever uh, made. And even maybe ever will. I will put, I would agree with Diego here. Because know, there are system sellers abound. I gotta, I, I, I'm such an Xbox fanboy. That's, it was my first console ever. And the thing is, is I, had, I, I actually broke out my original Xbox recently and had brought it over to my girlfriend's and we hooked it up and I there was a uh, a store we went to because we went to Walmart because I was missing a piece for it to hook it up and uh, went to Walmart they didn't have it but they took us but there was a guy who uh, directed us to this other store and it was really retro and uh, it had the piece we needed but it also the very first console game I'd ever played was Spongebob Squarepants Battle for Bikini Bottom Tanner I know you're amazing game Right. Yeah. Well, it's actually being remastered. I don't know mm-hmm. what the release date is. Yeah, but Sonic I'm really Heroes excited about showing it. off. Right. Uh, and I saw that my disc of that was scratched, and some levels didn't work. So we had bought a. Uh, we saw another copy of it, so we bought that and worked perfectly. So. Yeah, that's. One of the. It was it was quite a trip down memory lane. Hooking yeah. that back up and playing that's, all my old games. So. And I, 
I'm playing both sides of the coin here. Where with Wick, I am an Xbox fan. I would consider myself based on the other three. Though I I really do like Nintendo a lot, and I really like PlayStation too. I have nothing against any of them. Yeah, but, you're kind of a jack jack of all trades. Yeah, I mean, th- that's I, there's too much quality out there that I I don't want to settle on one. But I I would say I'm leaning towards Xbox the most, and just what I would prefer to play on. Um, even though I'm getting a lot of playtime on my Switch lately, but on the the PlayStation, the thing about PlayStation in general is the exclusives, and right. where it trumps Xbox by a landslide, and so is Nintendo. But they've had cash cow exclusives for years. But the thing about PlayStation is original IP exclusives, mm-hmm. and on the PlayStation Two alone, it was they went nuts. They went sicko mode, basically on the PlayStation sicko Two. Be- <laughs> <laughs> they went yeah to put it. In terms of that, but Jack and Daxter, Ratchet and Clank series, um, the Final Fantasies were on there. God of War started on the PlayStation Two. Uh, the Metal Gear Solid series, especially with three and two, kind of the peak of the series. Shadow, Shadow of the, the Colossus, Colossus came out in PlayStation Two, mm-hmm. which is considered like the benchmark at the time for graphics and just kind of it, it's a unique game still to today because Shadow of the Colossus is 16 boss battles, the game. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a boss rush of the game, so that, that's what makes it unique, and it stands alone still. And, yeah, Silent Hill 2 was looking at a list that you guys can see. Eco came out in PlayStation 2 with Shadow of the Colossus from Team Eco. It's got the best game library, I think, right, bar right. none, based on everything out there. And, I mean, there's even more that it, I'm sure. The Tony Hawk Pro Skater games I played on PlayStation 2. Tony Hawk Underground 2 was an amazing game. I played it all the time. Right. If I would go home, I still have so many games. Ultimate Spider-Man was one I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, Armament RTS. Just a lot of niche games. SpongeBob, every third-party developer Bottom started on yeah, PlayStation that, we already, Right. There's like that's the thing about play, the PlayStation brand in general is that it's got so many amazing exclusives, but of course, every third-party developer will put their games on PlayStation because it still outsells every other right, console. Right. So it's got the best of both worlds. Yeah, no, and I and I will say this is that um, nowadays, for sure, PS the PlayStation has miles above better uh, exclusives like Spider-Man. Like I cannot tell you how many times I have been this close to buying a PlayStation just to get that my hands on that Spider-Man game. And I just did. I yeah, just and I, I know you, you came, or I guess I shouldn't say caved, but you bought a uh, PlayStation to mm-hmm. play all those exclusives. But, I mean, I want to play that Spider-Man game so bad, but uh, I just... <laughs> I have an iron will. I haven't gotten it yet. But, well, you'll uh, break but, it at some point. <laughs> I probably will, yeah. Back in the day... Um, I will say Xbox probably had the better exclusives. Um, I mean, you had Halo Combat Evolved, probably one of the most influential video games of all time. Um, Knights of the Old Republic was an Xbox exclusive until it was uh, brought to PC on Steam. Um, I mean, you had exclusives like... Those are just the two I can name off the top of my head. Uh, Fusion Frenzy was a good another one. Right, right. The... uh, I mean, you had games like those back in the day. You're like, dang, I'm going to get me an Xbox. But nowadays, you got the PlayStation with Spider-Man, God of War, uh, what other PlayStation exclusives? Last of Us, Uncharted 4, right, Uncharted right. Lost Legacy. I mean, those are just... That will be the show. You could go on for a really long they're time. They're so phenomenal nowadays. It's just... It's unbelievable how PlayStation has just knocked it out of the park. 
time after time after time. And, I mean, Xbox has just fallen off the map with exclusives now. I mean, now you got, well, like, Halo 5. I mean, multiplayer yeah. was, multiplayer is pretty good, but the story was just... Ugh, yeah, <laughs> especially lately, X, Microsoft in general has been pretty bad in exclusives. Crackdown right. is a series I've never really enjoyed, but 3 got pretty mediocre right. to bad reviews when it just I, came out I mean, we have a such a long that, hiatus. We have a friend yeah. that enjoyed 3, but yeah, the reviews for Crackdown 3 were pretty abysmal. Yeah, Gears 5 came out, and that's a good reviews as well, but it just, it just kind of came at that. Like, but really, Gears is a long gone series is right. that it was a system seller back in the 360 when it first came yeah, out. Yeah, it was part when, of the, Because Gears of War was the benchmark for video game graphics right. when it came out in 2006, but the series is is long gone since right, the right. original trilogy kind of like Halo as well. I mean, there was the big three. You had, like... I mean, back in the day, you had, uh, like... It, well, uh, I should say, like, the big four, almost. It was, like, Call of Duty, Halo, Assassin's Creed, and Gears of War. Those were kind of the big four of gaming back in the day. In that, like, mm-hmm. I guess, golden age, air quotes, of gaming, you know? Yeah. So... All right, well, just to track back, one more thing about the PS2 before we go to our first commercial break. I want to talk about the architecture of the PS2 and the internal hardware. I, another thing about the PS2 that sets it apart is how weird and out of left field the system setup was. What was the design choice to go with a weird, spiritual, undescribable... When you boot it up and before you have to load up your game and it has the just the most wretched noise of all time. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing about that is that uh, my buddy had a PS2 and you never knew when... No, that's the other... The that's flip the, side, that's the, the other part of that is when... If you had a scratch disc that it couldn't read, if it was you, like... You went, you you were went into the abyss hell. and then if you it said PlayStation 2, then you threw a party because you knew it was going to work. <laughs> if that screen turned red and the, and the towers came yeah. out as well... You thought there was going to be a poltergeist in your house because right, that's terrifying. Right. Who made the design choice? I, as a kid, I was like actively scared to boot up my <laughs> PS2 based on the fact that it was just creepy. Like in a dark room, put me in a PS2, and I'm afraid it's like also a Ouija board hit, hiding inside. <laughs> it. My when buddy it goes and in I, the we abyss, always... you never know what's coming out. <laughs> it really is. Have you ever have you ever like seen the oh, yeah. corrupted file part of it? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. horrible. It's terrifying. It's terrible. My buddy and I always had a ritual. We would always like cross our fingers behind our backs and cross our legs. Cause yeah. then, then it's it like Pokemon work. where you hold A and B at the same time to right, catch right. better. And one of the worst feelings is when it's like taking forever and you think it's finally going to work yeah. and then you get those spinning circles. The anticipation. Then you yeah. go, whoom, and all <laughs> of your fears are just calm. There's a, there's a the funny video noise. where the guys are like, oh, please, 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 and then it works and they're like ripping off their shirts they're like, yeah! And then one dude pulls out the bongos, he starts playing them. That's honestly what it feels like when it works. It's like, yeah! Oh, God, the PS2. All right, now that we've spent 23 minutes and gone down memory lane a little bit, let's head to a commercial break, all right? So with that, we've covered our game of the week, Diego's Retro Rewind, and when we come back, we're going to hit Mason's Rewind and walk down Nostalgia Lane, as well as getting in to the big show today. So you're listening to the Entertainment Hour on the Alternative Edge. We'll be back after this quick commercial break. See you then.
This is Diego Huerta, and you're listening to the Entertainment Hour on KBVU's 97.5 Alternative Edge. Welcome back to part two of episode two, or the HD remake, reboot, and Knuckles, if you want to call it that, of the Entertainment Hour with Tanner Frost, Mason Wicket, Diego Huerta, the big three, usual suspects, whatever you want to call us. And we're back now. Mason is on the clock and up to the plate for the Retro Rewind. Mason, it's all you, and this is going to be a good one. All right, yes. So, back in the day, imagine you're back in 2012, 2011, whatever it is. You're on YouTube. There's not a whole lot of uh, big personalities out there. What comes to mind when you think of early YouTube? Well, when I was uh, in YouTube back in the early days, the people that I used to watch all the time was Smosh. You guys ever watch Smosh? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the big guys back in the day. And uh, Smosh was frontrunner for a long time. I, I don't know about a long time, but they definitely made an impact while they were top dogs. And uh, I just wanted to talk about, like, the early days of... I say early. I mean, YouTube was made in 2004. Uh, but when I... Like, early days of, like, people who are actually, like, the big YouTubers up top. I want to talk about those guys because uh, Smosh made so much stuff and that I have a lot of fond memories of. Uh, I remember one of their big things they did every year was the food battle. You ever watch the food battles? Yeah, food uh, battle is one of the constant ones. Pink Frosted Donut! I, <laughs> just in the top of the head, my head, if I think of Smosh, I think of food battle, Charlie the Drunk Guinea Pig, yep, for sure. um, the blanks in real life were their, their best videos. For me, like it's the Pokemon in real life. Yeah, uh, I'm, yeah. yeah I'm, talking, I'm talking about series strictly, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, those, I think everyone our age, like middle school era, watched those. And yeah, obviously sure. a big part of my childhood growing up. And when I think of early YouTube, I'm also thinking Ray William Johnson. Yeah. Uh, Jenna Marbles, who's still that. pretty prevalent. I don't know what Ray William Johnson is even still on youtube jane dawson yeah i follow he's him. still pretty prevalent i follow too. him on twitter actually he does uh he does some skits every now and then i think how, how about the biggest of them all fred the biggest oh, of them all fred was like one of the original like skit yeah. youtubers i had i saw a chart the other day i'll see if i can pull it up it was like the biggest youtubers or no when when youtubers took over as number one and it was very it was really interesting to see like because it was Fred, and then I can't. It was like Smosh, and then uh, PewDiePie. No, PewDiePie was actually a little bit later after Smosh and Ray William Johnson both had their shots as number one. Oh, um, the Legend of Zelda rap. That's another one. Yeah, the well, we and we were listening to that when we were still uh, roommates. We kind of revived that a little bit. So I have it on my phone. I, I bought it when I was oh like, no eight. I bought. ITunes. The fire truck song. No, it was. They made some pretty quality songs, actually. Yeah, their number one video was Beef and Go. <laughs> it was stupid. Yeah. It came out May 3rd, 2008. 100. Well, almost 101 million views. Yeah, yeah no, it's. One. It's pretty impressive. The. Uh, there was a whole other part of Smosh. Um that I really got into was the whole 
like mail time with Smosh, uh, lunch time with Smosh, and uh, mm-hmm. like the the whole See, Ian is bored series. For me, the biggest part where I got into it is once they introduced the other characters in Smosh Gaming. I don't know if you ever watched those. Yeah, they they became corporate after yeah. a while. Well, did you hear? I can't. I don't know the whole specifics of it, but basically, in Anthony sold Smosh for like zero dollars because it was some investment he had made and it was some weird off-kilter like deal he had made with some corporate but basically he said he had sold Smosh for zero dollars hmm. so I he, heard he was out a while ago that was kind oh, of yeah, like oh yeah he left a while big ago news. Uh, Rhett and Link actually own Smosh now oh really yeah, he was another one yeah because they had a falling out with their corporate um, who went bankrupt, so basically they had no one who, to fund them. And then Rhett and Link were just like, sure, we'll throw millions of dollars at you. And <laughs> So they own them, I, but they're also like, eh, do what you keep doing. Yeah. Well, I've got cool. another one. I'm, I'm going to regret saying this, but an Annoying Orange was another one. Oof. Yeah. I, I never liked him. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen an Annoying Orange video. I will say... It's insane to me that, like, because Annoying Orange, and I don't know if you knew this, but Fred actually got, like, a TV show. Yeah, no, I, Fred had a movie. He had a movie with like John Cena up. in it. Yeah, I was just going to say yeah. he had a movie with John Cena. That is mind-blowing to me. How and some... uh, Fred appeared in iCarly, if you remember. That's, yeah, how, I, that's how I first yeah, heard Fred. They had that crossover episode. Fred Fibberhorn is a legend. Fred in, uh, Fred in... What was his name? Freddy? I have no idea. Yeah, Freddy. The I don't know Carly. if I want to know. They had beef or something. But oh, it was, right. It was all fake. Okay, in iCarly, yeah, of course. But. No, it's really interesting because uh, every now and then I'll go back to you, like, the good old days of YouTube and I'll rewatch a couple of those Mail Time with Smoshes. And it's really interesting to see like what I was interested in and just how my perspective has changed is how I've gotten older and rewatching and I mean if to, to people listening if go back if haven't seen those videos in a while go back and watch them they're it's pretty interesting to go back and watch them with uh, current context of today I just pulled up a Fred video and it blew up my eardrums <laughs> don't subject yourself to that torture his voice uh, oh it's grating for me uh, it was really PewDiePie when he was like first started taking over uh, him's amnesia custom stories. If you ever saw yeah. him play amnesia game, yeah. um, he had all like the characters for all the interactable people. I remember watching yeah. him, Markiplier, and then once Jack Septicai became a thing. So that's kind of got... like. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say I never got into those guys when they were just starting out. I uh, I became a real PewDiePie fan. I'd well, say about uh, a year and a half to two years ago. I'm a real PewDiePie fan. Well, the big thing I for am. me is, besides the PlayStation 2, once all the new games came out, I wasn't one who would buy a lot of new games, you know, just because money was spent mm-hmm. on other things in my house. So I really liked that I could, like, watch someone else play. It was almost right, like right. you're sitting on the couch like with your friends. Yeah, so yeah, right. I could still experience the gameplay without having to pay all the money for it. Right, I absolutely understand where you're coming from. Um... Back then, when PewDiePie, Markiplier, all those guys kind of started getting around, that was the time I had discovered Achievement Hunter, and Tanner is also a big Achievement Hunter fan. He used to uh, be. 
go check their channel out if you haven't. It's fantastic. They're still going strong to this day. Um, and I still watch their stuff to this day. And it's still fantastic. But, um, uh, but like Diego was saying, I also watch a lot of like walkthrough stuff. Um, one of the main guys I watch in terms of that is the Rad Brad. He's king of the YouTube walkthrough, mm. and he's does a lot of games all the time. And um, yeah, I just watch a lot of his uh, walkthroughs when it comes to video games because he's a really awesome guy and just covers a wider range of games. So if there's ever a game yeah, so I don't want to spend money on, so get this: Fred goes grocery shopping, featuring annoying orange. The greatest collaboration <laughs> pre-Endgame of all time. They, they thought we Infinity had... War was the greatest. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> yeah. most ambitious crossover 90, event. 90 million views on Fred Goes Grocery Shopping featuring Annoying Orange. Not even enough to topple Smosh. Beef and Go, 101. That's Fred at his peak was not powerful enough to topple Smosh. Well, views if you want to go back even video. further on YouTube, there was... <laughs> Tanner, you didn't know about this until I showed you a few months ago. SpongeBob robs a bank. That is yeah, OG. No, and it no, actually that was... it got remastered on its ten year anniversary. It wasn't funny. Don't watch it. It is I the biggest waste of four minutes of your life. Yeah, don't do it. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, don't. It's okay. <laughs> you we haven't seen it, Diego? We can we can end this discussion. <laughs> it's really now. okay, but all right. It's well, it's almost midnight. <laughs> it's almost midnight. How about we get into the main topic today? Midnight for you okay, guys. Okay, so <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, time zones, obviously. COVID nineteen, yeah. of course. But with that, we haven't had an episode since like November twenty nineteen. So I thought it would be fitting November that we get 14th. into the big part now. That we have our thank you, Diego. That we have our best of twenty nineteen, and this is going to be personal preference. It doesn't have to be the best movie but just your favorite movie of 2019 so because there's a difference in a disparity between what is arguably the best and what is your favorite because obviously personal preferences and uh subjectiveness come into play but i want to ask you starting off with the tv show of the year before we head into our second commercial what is your own personal best favorite tv show of 2019 and it doesn't have to have it doesn't have to have come out in 2019 it can just be something that you've watched for the first time, something you've rewatched that has sparked a love again for the show, or anything of the sort. But again, your personal favorite TV show of 2019, and we'll start reflecting now. Any of you, any of you want to go first? I'll go first. Is that a no? Uh, okay. The uh, TV show that I watched um, in 2019. It was kind of in the later half. Was uh, on Amazon Prime. It was called The Boys, and my dad was telling me, "Hey, you need to watch The Boys right now." Hey, Mason, what are you doing? Are you not watching The Boys? Well, go watch The Boys. I was like, "All right, yeah, whatever, Dad." Nah, get to I'm it. with The Boys, Dad. <laughs> but I finally sat down and watched The Boys, and it was the greatest thing I had seen in a long time. It was basically superheroes if they were owned by a corporate business and they were also mm-hmm. sociopathic a-holes well and some of them are the, but it, all it, of them were being from iowa uh there's a girl from des moines iowa so kind of has that 
instant familiarity with us. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, But the first few minutes, it sets the tone pretty well. There's a basically a, I don't want to say knockoff, but a guy who runs really fast, so it's kind of a flash knockoff, but he runs right through this guy's girlfriend. You can only have so many superpowers. What's that? You can only have so many superpowers, to be fair. Right, right. At some but point, he runs you right through this guy's That's when you get Squirrel Girl. Yeah, as he's holding her, and, you know, there's just blood splatters all over her, and he's like, oh, I think I swallowed a molar. It's just, it's disgusting, but... It, it grips you, and it does not let you go. It's just so fantastic because of, like, how it incorporates what we know about superheroes and applies it to what would be a very realistic and, like, corporate America. So it was, it was a very subversive... I mean, that word gets thrown around a lot lately, subverting your expectations, but it definitely yeah. subverted my expectations in a very decent way. And that's all I've got Diego? to say about that. <laughs> okay, Forrest. Diego? Uh, my favorite show of 2019 didn't start in 2019, but... Uh, that's fun. Yeah. Arrow from CW. Mm. Um, I think probably one of the best superhero TV shows. And mm. Smallville started first in the uh, DC TV show era, but I think Arrow is really what set the tone and what set the bar for it. Uh, the darker drama. Originally, it was supposed to be a Batman show, but they didn't get the rights, so it was Green Arrow. Really set the bar for how a TV show featured superheroes should be. Uh, Marvel would end up copying kind of the tropes with it later on, so watching that continue into 2019 as it starts heading towards its big finale uh, was one of my favorite experiences, especially since me and my dad both enjoy the show, and we watched it together. Well, I, I hear a lot of... I've never watched Arrow because I personally don't like CW shows. Uh, but that's just me. But, like, I hear a lot of criticism in the, in the by the later seasons and how people pre- prefer the early ones. Is it, Was that a, a sentiment you'd agree with? Like, uh, did you just watch the first three seasons? I'd say you watch se- the seasons one through four are probably the best. Um, season four has, like, the best villain. Season three will have the best action yeah, but those really aren't the quality ones you got to watch. I obviously kept watching because I'm a fan. And there's bits and pieces that are nice um, later on, but seasons one through four are probably the core ones you at least want to watch. Hmm. All right, am I up? Is it, is it me? Yes. Okay. I am going to go reverse way behind you guys. And I watched this early 2019, um, probably in January or February. But I watched Band of Brothers for the first time in a while. I think Band of Brothers came out in 2001. But and an absolutely incredible series. I have a lot of respect. Well, I do have a penchant for liking series that don't have filler episodes. And many series are really good at that. Um, and Band of Brothers is, a, you know, a World War II almost documentary, a, a dramatized documentary about Easy Company and American paratroopers from them land, or I guess they're training up to landing in Normandy during World War II and the invasion of France, all the way, time skip a little bit, to the end of the war and what happens after with them. 
and it's a 10 episode series about an hour per episode uh, on HBO and it's absolutely phenomenal and the the most emotional aspect of the show is both at the start and the end of the episodes it's got interviewees and veterans and them talking about historical like credibility things and oh, wow. uh, providing testimonies about the show have you have you never watched it i thought you watched band of brothers mm. band of brothers i've watched yeah fantastic yeah it's I've fantastic seen i absolutely I just... recommend it yeah um and it's a really short watch it's 10 hours and it's i mean it's right. a binge faster than most series you it's could like say. the pacific that kind of miniseries it is the Pacific. The Pacific is the sister series that came out after, actually. Yeah. Like yeah. like Band of Brothers, the Pacific were both made by the same company, HBO team, things like that. Though they're a different style as well. But anyways, and then at the end of Band of Brothers, you find out all the the old guys talking, doing the interviews are actually the same guys from Easy Company that are still alive. So like Dick Winters yeah. and the other soldiers that are featured in the show are the guys basically who provided the the testimonies in the book that w- it was based off of and you see basically their dramatized journey through the war and then obviously subsequently right. how it's impacted them and it's absolutely incredible and that's kind of the, the reveal at the end though it's not really because most people understand that that's the same people but it's really powerful it, it goes through all the themes of the war little, little stories and big battles and i absolutely recommend you give it a watch because going back through it there's a reason it's i think number five on i or i think number three actually on imdb three uh, yeah i just i just looked it up right now for greatest shows of all time and again planet earth one and two are one and two probably and i don't necessarily count those because they're yeah. documentaries so band of brothers statistic wise yeah along, right. i think it's actually tied with breaking bad is the the greatest show of all time based on that metric alone on IMDb, which pretty is much, a pretty, yeah. I mean, quantifiable one, I'd say, and a justifiable one. But digressing, go well, watch it. I mean, it's short, also been a series, amazing show. Yeah, it's a series that's been around for a while too, so people have had a long time. Well, it doesn't to change anything. Watch it and review it. No, I'm just saying it's been a long like people have had a long time to review it, and it still holds up as one of the best TV shows of all time. So. Yeah, I know. But in the same vein, Chernobyl came out last year, which is another one I really need to watch. And that's mm-hmm. also in the top I did 10, watch that, I actually. I heard that was fantastic. It is spectacular. Uh, you really, it's, I mean, if you don't know, it's about the uh, Chernobyl meltdown in, uh, mm-hmm. you, whatever it is, you, Ukraine, Russia, whatever. Yeah, I, I think it remember. is in Ukraine. Ukraine, yeah. Um, but you wouldn't expect that to be as interesting and gripping as it is because it's a lot about like I don't how know it's pretty interesting it. it's it's unbelievable how interesting they make it and how I have said it a hundred times this episode but gripping that it just it sucks you in so and it's only five episodes isn't it no it's is like it, is it I really think it's short 10. oh okay or something like that oh okay I thought it was pretty if, short I, I, I might be wrong about that it might it might be eight or something like that either way it's gonna be up my alley like I talked about I I, I really like shows oh with no you're right it is no filler episodes. oh I'm an idiot I think yep I think it is all right well there it is so Wicket's got the boys Diego has what was it again you went with arrow arrow he had arrow 
Right. Okay. CW's Arrow, and I went with Band of Brothers for our 2019 TV show of the year. Just about four months too late. So the review coming back around, and with that, that's going to take us into our second commercial break. So when we come back from the commercial break, we will have our movie of the year, our game of the year, and that'll wrap it up for our reboot episode two of the Entertainment Hour. Stick around, and we'll see you after this quick commercial. You're listening to KBVU Podcast on the 2019-2020 radio station of the year. KBVU 97.5 The Edge and The Alternative Edge. Welcome back to part three of episode two of the Entertainment Hour with Tanner Frost, Mason Wickett, and Diego Huerta here on The Alternative Edge. So rounding out 2019, just about four months too late, we have two final categories for our two final segments in today's show. First off, we're going to go same thing as we did last time with the TV show of the year in the last segment, in case you've been listening. We're going to go personal movie of the year, in case you're just tuning in. Once again, to clarify, this is not the best. There can be a difference between the best movie you watched and your favorite movie you watched. And again, also, it does not have to have come out in 2019 because it's just going to be the highlight of your year. Say you watched a movie that came out in 1965. It was your favorite movie you watched all of last year, even though new stuff came out. That's perfectly fine. That's just what we're looking for. Looking to not only expand our horizons in movies, if we want to recommend to each other, but also all of the listeners, of course. So, who wants to go first and throw out their personal movie of the year? Disclaimer. It's going to be pretty unanimous, and I have a good feeling it's going to be, too. So, Yeah. Well, I'll go first. Uh, movie of the year, for me, obviously, I think, is uh, Endgame. Because, mm. I mean, that's a 10-year freaking Little movie indie movie. film, right? Little indie oh, film like... no one's heard of. Yeah. Little no, budget. It was, it was this little small, I mean... C-list actors, I mean, yeah, right? Yeah, just... Right, yeah, but did a lot. I'm surprised with a lot of nothing, you guys have really. actually heard of it, but yeah, no, it was this. It was this. Uh, just t- ten year build up, and I mean, it's been talked about since it came out. I mean, before it came out, even you, you know, it's good. Everybody knows it's good. You know why it's good. There's not really much more that needs to be said about the movie, other than just the sheer amount of passion that went into the movie and the movies that preceded it, you know, they, you could tell that the people making it knew their stuff and that they really wanted to pay homage to the stories that needed to be told. And they wrapped it up in a really nice, neat little bow and really put a nice cap on the uh, cap. Hey, uh, hey. put a nice Nice little little Thor on the the series. series. So, yep. Uh, well, All right, Diego, do you want to go out there or you want to stick with the end game theme? <laughs> well, um, I'll go ahead and go, I guess, you know, split it up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Also, fun side note is opening night of Endgame. We all saw that movie together. If you remember. We did. We did. That's yes. something I'm going to touch on. Big three saw it together. Um, We're the big for three, me, just in case. When it comes As to you know. favorite movie of 2019, personally for me, that is Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah. Right. You're a huge Monsterverse guy. Me being He's a, a huge Godzilla fan, fan of monster movies, specifically Godzilla monster movies ever since I was a kid and was watching the classic ones, always been my favorite type of genre. 
something just out of this world, you know, makes humans seem small and insignificant. And if anyone saw Godzilla 2014, that movie came out, that was the first one. And then Kong Skull Island came out in 2017. Uh, and then this one came out in 2019. So basically you had about five years wait in the first of the sequel. So you had all that excitement built up. And what I really liked about this one is the pure monster action in it. The director mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from the first movie listened to the fans because they wanted to see more Godzilla. They didn't care too much about human development because in movies like this, you don't really care about humans. So basically, right off the bat, monsters fighting. Uh, you get the classic monsters redone, uh, King Ghidorah, Rodan, and Mothra. They all come mm-hmm. back, which are fan favorites. And basically, the sound in this the movie, like the sound design... It's probably best movie, best in the twenty of twenty nineteen. That's one of the few things I think it actually did do better than Endgame in terms of that. But for me, being a personal fan of this, just any movie where I get to see my favorite science fiction character on the big screen, done right in all his glory, is going to be mm. my favorite experience. I saw it six times in theaters. <laughs> uh, I saw it standard three D, and it was my first time going to see a movie. Uh, in a D-Box seat, which actually moves along with the movie. So, like, every step Godzilla took, the seat would vibrate. And, like, his roar just resonates through the seat and surround sound. One of the best cinema experiences of my life, personally. So, that's a movie that's not (laughs) only going to stick with me for a fan base, but just as a whole experience for years to come. Yeah. Mm. No, that's really cool. Well, sticking with the topic of good movie-going experiences, let's talk about... Of course, Avengers Endgame. So, before we get to Endgame, I want to throw out some other honorable mentions for me. Some some movies I saw that stood out, both good and bad. Start of the year, I did not like Captain Marvel very much. I thought it was far too run-of-the-mill. I don't think Brie Larson did a great job. And, of course, she's got uh, she's going to have a lot more movies to back it up. But, again, like we were just talking about off-camera and off-mic... The Nick Fury stuff, him being comic relief, kind of downplayed his character, at least from the start of his career, yada yada, some other things. Um, 1917 was a big thumbs up. I thought it was a fantastic film. Certainly unique and probably the biggest technical achievement of the year, of course. They got the award for it as well. Very good movie. Um, as for people who don't know, a, a one shot in air quotes because the whole movie is cut to look like it's a one tracking shot or following shot, whichever you want to call it, based on where the camera's right. based around the person. And the two main characters, um, spoilers real quick, take a pause, one of which the actual main character dies like halfway through the yeah, movie, which was a surprise, and then it like, switched focus to the other guy. Did you see it? I didn't know you saw it. Oh, yeah, I saw it. No, it was... Oh, nice. Tom and Baratheon get stabbed in the. Oh, stomach I know you and... saw it, Diego. Yeah, it was, and it was again kind of like Band of Brothers, where it's like a very real depiction, especially of World War One, where you don't get that a lot. Um, it's very, very unique, and uh, again, another movie that's that benefits from seeing it in a theater. I'd think, also and I'd have to see it again. It? Yeah, but also not. I mean, the main guys. I didn't even realize the the guy that dies was Tommen Baratheon from Game of Thrones oh, yeah. until I looked it up later. I didn't think well, about that. Um, get this. No, I, was talking, his, I was just talking about like the cameos. You had uh, 
something. Yeah, and I, I have a comment about that too, but go ahead, Wick. Uh, it's funny because uh, the guy, I can't remember his name, but um, Tom and Baratheon, um, the guy who gets stabbed in the I don't know his name either. His, his actual brother that he's looking for is the same guy who plays Rob Stark. So they were yeah, both yeah, in Game of Thrones. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, yeah, like Diego Stark. Uh, Robert other, Madden, Richard Madden. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those two. Um, but Benedict Cumberbatch was in that movie at the end. That was kind of weird to see. Last yeah, last and that that one also that was my comment. That one kind of bothered me in theaters because I didn't. And, and there's two sides of the same coin again. I'll play devil's advocate against myself. One, he's like, uh, it turns out the big general guy that they're looking for is Benedict Cumberbatch, and he turns, and it's like a kind of supposed to be like a mini reveal as a part of the movie, just because he's going to be a well-known face that people will be like, oh wow, it's Benedict Cumberbatch, which obviously it had that effect yeah. on me. But it also, I was really immersed in the movie the whole time, and it kind of took me out of that in the most pivotal scene of the yeah. film at the time, because yeah. I was like, oh, it's Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, he's just in the middle of all these no-name people that I've been like following that just seem like soldiers, but oh, hey, there's Benedict Cumberbatch. It's not a general, it's Doctor Strange, <laughs> or the other countless roles he's played, yeah. whatnot, and I was expecting him to do his yeah. hand thingy. Like Diego is doing, it's but, it's kind of a funny but, thing. It's funny thing because actors like that, when that happens to them, it's like they're suffering from success almost. You know, yeah. So, but that's the thing is on the flip side, it makes sense because in war, the only people you usually know about and can recognize the faces of are the generals and the big names. So but, it does make sense, and I get that. But in the moment, it did take me out of the movie. So I understand that. And I get that argument against it. And I don't know if that's what they intended to do. I just was reading forums and discussions about the movie. But it's kind of a, a positive and a negative at the same time. So yeah. 1917, very good. To digress, back to the main topic. What, there's another Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I watched it again today, um, sitting at home due to the quarantine. Very good movie. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's different from other Tarantino movies, but it's got the same penchant for violence just at the end uh, and a little bit of a spurt, but a very cool timepiece. Um, excellent film. And, uh, of course, my vote is going to go to Endgame based on the two reasons. One, the film itself was really good, and Wicked already explained exactly why. is the build-up, accumulation, and payoff of 10 years of hard work and mostly excellent films on the, along the way. And then also our theater-going experience that we've talked about was absolutely incredible. We saw it on opening night, the very first release at, like, 6 p.m. We we literally – this is all three of us. I'm talking for all three of us. We got out of spring ball football practice, went straight to my car. I felt bad for the people around us because we didn't have time to shower. So that was yeah. kind of disgusting. <laughs> Too much information anyways. But then we went straight into the theater. We drove over. I bought – Diego and myself, like these $1 shirts. I didn't see any for you, but like I had an Iron Man shirt. Diego had a Hulk shirt we wore. And then we we saw the movie Front Row, even though it's not, I don't think it's prime tickets. And people were going ballistic during the movie. Like yeah, the opening was... and 
and obviously we can forego spoilers because everyone knows what happens and everyone's seen the movie because it's the highest grossing movie of all time. And if you think these are spoilers, then shame on you because you should go watch it. But like yeah, when really when weird. Cap caught Thor's hammer, that is the loudest easily by far I've ever heard a movie theater, and people were going crazy, and it was awesome. awesome. It was just straight up awesome. If you see yeah. like the endings with you know Iron Man passing mm-hmm. away and Captain America finally getting mm-hmm. his life back. I mean, I didn't cry. I did either of you tear up at all, but I was close. No, I, I didn't I really can't. tear up. It's just no, not my thing. Yeah, you but, did. Um, you said you cried, but you felt like cry. the emotion in that moment, though. Even if you didn't, cry. oh, you for felt sure, absolutely. The ten felt... years built off of that. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Also, real quick, one honorable mention is uh, I want to say is Joker, uh, but we talked about oh, that. Oh yeah, we Joker did come out last year, mostly in episode one of Entertainment Hour. So if you want to see a lot more into that. I'd recommend go checking right. that out because we talked about that. Right. I forgot Joker came. There, yeah, Joker is, is a great film too. Is, it is a fantastic movie. Yeah. There is one more thing, one more we forgot to mention, but we're not going to get stuck too deep into that because I feel like it's a uh, yes, yeah, cats, the cat <laughs> cinematic universe. Uh, no, because I feel like this deserves its own segment and its own episode. But the rise of Skywalker. No, that Tanner. was a bad one. Tanner was didn't that like Star it. Trek movie? We'll, we'll cut, we can do that next week. Let's exactly, not go yeah. into a rabbit hole. I love Star Trek. Out of time. I just want to say... We, we will definitely... I personally enjoyed it. I'm not the huge sequel... The biggest sequel fan. I thought The Last Jedi was a pile of poop. But I enjoyed The Rise of Skywalker. And yeah. that's all I did not believe it that for now. I'm the middle ground... All right, 13 minutes in. Let's wrap this up. Let's go, probably the most anticipated one. Let's go game of the year for last year. Wicket, what is your game of the year of 2019? All right. Now, stick with me here. Battlefront 2, 2017. Mm. Had a bit of a rocky launch. The EA one. Completely redeemed in 2019. Changed the progressive system. Added a bunch of heroes, bunch of maps, added the, basically the conquest mode from the original, and I cannot stop playing it. I've been playing it for the better part of, I would say, no, oops, excuse me, uh, nine or ten months now, and I mean, I've got every, pretty much everything in the game to, as far as I can progress the, the characters, or the classes, I mean, so... It's. I mean, I've been playing the mess out of the game, and I guess I'm known in our friends group as the Battlefront guy. So mm. it's. I mean, go check it out again. It, the Celebration Edition came out where it they released uh, all the skins in the game for twenty five dollars. I snatched that up as fast as I could because yeah, I mean, I bought that. Being right, being huge Star Wars fans or a huge Star Wars fan, I just. Um, it's a dream come true being able to fight in those battles now and the game respects its customers and itself a lot more so it's it's ama- it's an incredible redemption story and it's honestly I would put it better than the original Battlefront 2 so that's and blasphemy I know you're going to disagree with me Tanner I know you're going to disagree with me but I've been playing it's Battlefront it's a game I've been playing the original Battlefront 2 on my computer, and I don't think I could play it without mods anymore. So, 
That's what I got to say. Well, I would say my highlight of Battlefront 2, and it would be up there for my game of the year um, based on how much I played it last year. But I would say co-op was my favorite introduction. I played the heck out of co-op, and it's just fun that you don't have to focus and try as much as a regular game, but it's also really challenging, and it does a lot of just stuff different with the bad maps that makes them better. So co-op's a big one for me, and I really like it. Diego, what you got? Yeah. Uh, well, um, for me, my favorite games, I'm definitely, I think, more into the story-based kind of video games, like the AAA titles. That's just, like, what appeals to me personally. Uh, so my game of 2019 is the Resident Evil 2 remake. Oh, I don't know, I don't I don't know if you guys played it, but it's a uh, remake of Resident Evil 2 when it first came out, updated it with... Got uh, excellent, excellent reviews. Oh, yeah. It... Um, came with the brand new engine they used the engine from resident evil 7 and uh updated it so graphics looks great uh game runs great and basically you're revisiting the story of leon who's newly uh new police officer just started the job then basically a zombie apocalypse breaks out and it's up to him to stop it i thought the story i mean the story was the same pretty much but me not being able or not playing much of the original Resident Evil games, getting to revisit this in a new light uh, really captured me into the story so much that I almost want to go back and try out the original games. So mm. for, uh, a game like that to have a brand new look and uh, interactive combat. The combat was improved a lot. Uh, the monsters are a lot more like dynamic and smart. Some of the monsters even will learn, like Mr. X has a learning pattern during his boss fights, so tactics he used in the first fight won't necessarily work in the second fight. So I mm -hmm. thought overall it was an enjoyable game experience for 2019. Awesome. Well, we're going to be diverse, and I'm going to throw out my pick, which wasn't didn't come out in 2019, it came out just on the verge, but I'm going to go, oh, well... Disclaimer, I'm going to give a big honorable mention. I thought about this, and I was going to say, Wick, and you're going to enjoy this. I was going to say Tetris 99, <laughs> and that was going to be my game of the year based on the the overall fun it provided for the multiple nights that we played it. And I still have yet to win a game, though I've been <laughs> trying my best during quarantine. I've been closer I've come very close. I've, I know I came third the other day. Oh no! Was, then we're tied. Yeah. yeah. Or no? Then I think you beat yep. me because I think the highest I yep. got was four. I was so incredibly close, and it is frustrating, but it is also so addicting and fun that right. Tetris ninety nine gets my runner up spot. But my number one, staying on the same system, December seventh, twenty eighteen, Smash Ultimate, was easily my game of the year and one of my most played ones. And Diego and I played the heck out of it. Wicket certainly enjoys Smash Ultimate a heck of a lot. Which is a lie because he hates it <laughs> and he's not good at it. Yeah. And it is the ultimate culmination of everything before. It's literally like the end game of video games because not only did they bring back every single character from pre the previous four games, well, technically five games in the series, but also almost all of the maps, at least the fan favorite maps, nothing left out, added new characters, added new events, added new modes, added a new story mode, which was flawed in its own way, but brought everything together and made an amazing and really balanced and high-speed game that was the really perfect balance between melee and 
say brawl which is the f- high-end fast pace between kind of the slower more methodical pace of the game in which like every play style is viable as well as adding new moves for everyone as well and like universal moves like to air dodge and a lot of crazy stuff that is just so much fun to play and no matter what you think about fighting games or something there's someone or at least uh, probably more than five people in characters and the roster that you at least find some patch it for and enjoy to play and that's just the the best part about it is that it's really for like all type of types of fighting fighting game play styles and i really enjoyed smash ultimate and everything it brought to the table based on playing alone and playing through the world of light and also diego and i entering a tournament and actually doing quite well for being rookies in the game and Toon Link and Ganondorf. Just overall, <laughs> yeah. Well, don't spoil. People don't know. That's our and then our secret secondary backup in what was it? Ridley and Bowser, the heavy hitters. I wanna, oh, I yeah. wanna, I wanna make something clear here. You, you're putting words in my mouth here, Tanner. You said I hate the game. I love the game. I think the game is frustrating. I because I'm loves bad Tanner. at because I am terrible at it. That's what he says. That's what he claims. Yeah. He has no proof. Now, I feel like we need to get this uh, clear here. Tanner, your main is? Toon Link. Toon Link. Diego, yes. your main? Rob in singles, Ganondorf in doubles. Yep, yeah. and I am a Zelda main. Yes. So we're big Legend of Zelda fans here. Right, yeah. Even though I'm I the only one like that has ever played like, any of the games. Hey, but Rob is yeah. best boy. You know, I never actually thought of that. We got all bases covered in the Zelda franchise. That's yep. gonna have to be a well, future that, that, topic. Is that's why we work friends. so well together? Is I've got the Triforce of Courage, Diego's got the wisdom, or Diego's got the power, and Wicket's got the wisdom. You're ironically you're enough, dude, we're the big three. We're the Triforce. <laughs> we are the big three. We also are the Triforce. We're a lot of things. We're fun. That's right. And with that, that will end episode two of the Entertainment Hour. So, fellas, that went pretty all right. That was pretty and we well, have yeah. lots more to come. Yeah, absolutely. We're a new format, obviously, quarantined in our homes and recording from our phones, rhyming enough, and a lot upcoming. So we reviewed 2019, a lot to look forward in 2020, and there's a lot on the horizon that we will easily discuss next week, whenever that may be. Hopefully early on in the week. We certainly have a lot to talk about, so we'll see when Episode 3 comes out, unless we want to call it. Let's just decide right now. Is this the reboot or is this Episode 2? Because I'm naming the file when we get done with this. <laughs> I think we sh- we're, we should be confident enough to call it episode two. Episode two, it is. All right. Attack of okay, the Phones. Okay, well, I was going to vote the HD remake SP Series X and Knuckles, but that's just me. So, okay, so it's episode two, officially. All right, based All right. on Wicket and Diego's vote. All right, with that, we're going to sign off. You guys want to say anything? Uh, be kind uh, to one another. Let Wash us your know hands. if you have oh, any nice. suggestions for uh, yes. what you want us to talk about or any kind of things you'd like us to cover during the entertainment hour. Mm. Smile mm. always. Oh, watch. Oh. Shame. I take it back. Castlevania is my typo. Castlevania is my show of 2019. If we can rewind. This is my retro rewind because I didn't uh, get one this week. I actually vote Castlevania for right, show of 2019. We'll worry about that next week. Okay, we'll talk about that later. All right, we got a logo upcoming. We have an outro upcoming. Our intro's 
good to go. We're going to break it out. Fingers crossed that you enjoy it. And with that, you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast here for more of the Alternative Edge. Shout out to other KBVU podcasts such as Football Unfocused and Austin West slash Lavelle Harris for providing you all the NFL news your little ears can handle. And we'll be back next week with more of the Entertainment Hour. We'll link the credit to our sounds and royalty-free songs down below in the description if you want to find them. But with that, from Tanner Frost, Diego Huerta, and Mason Wicket, episode two of the Entertainment Hour is a close. Sync your watches and the timer, and we'll see you next week for episode three. Stay safe, wash your hands, and be kind to one another. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Entertainment Hour. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you want to hear more of our show or the other wonderful KBVU podcasts like Lost and Found, The Braden and Collins Show, or Football Unfocused, you can find them on our SoundCloud page named KBVU. You can also download episodes and subscribe to The Alternative Edge on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Wherever you listen, whenever you want to, KBVU Podcasts and The Alternative Edge are here for you. That's KBVU on SoundCloud and The Alternative Edge on Spotify and Apple Podcast for more. This is The Alternative Edge, home of KBVU Podcasts.